Hello, listener, and welcome to Area de Rigori, your weekly dose of Syria and all things cultural, brought to you by BreakingTheLines.com. I am your host, Danish Iqbal. Very, very pleased and happy to join you for episode two. Very glad I'm not cancelled yet. And today, joining me, I have a very special guest. I have Euro expert, Alex. Yes, hello. Thank you for having me on. How are you doing, Alex? You all right? Yeah, I'm doing very good. Excited to talk about a league that doesn't have a referee that's been guilty of match fixing or fans that like to invade the pitch. It's my favourite league this year. It's a very, very fun league. It's absolute lunacy. I don't know how many times we're going to say that week in, week out, but it is absolute lunacy. I don't know what you're doing if you're not watching this league right now. Uh, how are you feeling after the Arsenal result? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I thought I'd sneak that in. Sorry, look, I know it's an Italian podcast, but I just saw Damari Grace uh, smacking it in off the post. So yeah, oh, I'm just I'm just watching the the two sides of Twitter, the ones that said Arteta must go, and the others that say he's he's a genius that must stay. It's absolutely hilarious, and I love it. Probably the most polarizing man on Twitter, uh, next to Elon Musk, Mikel Arteta. But anyway, this is a Serie A podcast. It's not a Premier League podcast, and. Again, lots and lots to get through this weekend. The second edition is on a Monday where we had a bunch of midweek fixtures as well. But we thought that we'd bring this to you uh, because it wasn't it wasn't really close and if it didn't really match up. So we have an answer list of fixtures to get through. Let's start with the first one on Saturday, Milan Salernitana. Great team to watch Salernitana, aren't they, Alex? <laughs> Bottom of the league. Bottom of the league, Salernitana, yeah. That was sarcastic. That was, that was sarcastic. I mean, they're great fun. Are they? Um, <laughs> I mean, they were funny in this game because Milan had so many chances. So in that aspect, they were fun. I mean, Brahim Diaz had chances to score galore. I was quite disappointed in him, but he... Um, he didn't score. But it's weird to learn a Tana. Like, we've got Frank Ribery just parked up front. <laughs> as a captain, yeah. As, as a captain, I, I think he, I think Ribs, we call him Ribs, uh, he just likes the scenery uh, over there. It's, it's a beautiful place. Um, I, I, you know who I really love for Selene Tana? Milan Juric. Mm-hmm. You know, he was he was he was at Hungary for he was playing in the um, Euros for Hungary. He's a really traditional old target man. See, I, I'm a I'm a big Sam Allardyce fan. You see, oh, right. but I, I I cry a little bit when he when he doesn't play. Um, Simi was obviously playing as well for Salernitana. They're probably for me nailed on as as relegation candidates. I'm I'm sorry, Salernitana fans, if if there are any Salernitana fans listening to this, but they seem to be the Norwich of the league. But but like as in. The Norwich of the league who aren't going to get Dean Smith. I would I would disrespect Salernitana. They're not that bad. They are, oh, come, they're, they're pretty bad. I mean, they've, they've got they've got two wins still. I mean, so Norwich have only just got their second win, so they're not I mean, I, as bad. I, I don't know. I, maybe that's because I've seen so many graphs, Danish, where I've made so many graphs. And I've always, you know, when you annotate them, you go, oh, Liverpool in the top right are great. Or like PSG are here, they're doing good. And every time I have to label Norwich in their own league, just with like, ha, 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 because they're so far down in every metric. Hey, they don't, now you're disrespecting Norwich. All right? Now you're disrespecting Norwich. Don't, don't, don't be hating on Norwich. Um, <laughs> this is turning into a bit of a Norwich Salernitana slugging match. But anyway, they're my, they're my biggest relegation candidates. But having said that, I think I've seen a lot of games this year when they've played at home and I think at home that they might make that a bit of a fortress. It's a very narrow ground to play in. Mm. The, the crowd will obviously get on the opposite, opposition team's backs. I know Napoli went there and just about won 
um, Zelensky smacked it in uh, from from the six yard box, but they only just won for so Salernitana maybe have a bit of hope there also because Shevchenko at Genoa. Um, we will speak a little bit more about Genoa later on, but the, the, he's got a massive job to do there, massive job. But for me, Salernitana are the relegation candidates. Milan, this made easy work of them. I think I think they, if Milan, particularly against Genoa. But Salernitana as well, they looked a bit like a wounded animal. Those 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 games against Fiorentina, where they where they conceded four, when I thought they could have or they should have won, but they, they uh, conceded lots of mistakes. And then again against Sassuolo, conceded three. Romagnoli was uh, sent on his ass from by Berardi. They seemed like a wounded animal, like they had something to prove. But they had they had lots of chances against Salernitana. But it was a pretty routine win for them, I felt. Yeah, I thought so too. I mean, I I did want to. He's a player who's not always. Um, he's only got four goals this season, but I thought Rafael Leal was pretty impressive in the lead up to the first goal for uh, Cassier. I just think he's he's mesmeric to watch. Like I I think um I think it was the game before Fiorentina. I can't remember who it was against, but I was watching him, and he kind of reminds me of like a young Ronaldo in the way he carries the ball. Like he's so powerful, but he takes the touches almost like an Eden Hazard. He's so willing to take everybody on. Yeah. yeah. So willing to take everybody on. Even against Fiorentina, he was their main focal point. I think last year, a lot of Milan fans were getting frustrated with him because maybe the work rate wasn't there. Maybe some of the effort wasn't there. Or sometimes he felt a bit lackadaisical. But this year, he's really becoming a focal point. Anything he does at the moment is is, t- is turning to gold. He's He's been one of the best players for Milan this year. Uh, they've had a few players like that that have improved. I think I said it on the last edition as well. Tonali's gotten a lot better. Oh yeah, it's got much better. Brian Diaz looks a lot better. I know you you criticised him a little bit, but he's he's stepped up in in the absence of of uh, of Hakan Chanhoglu. But Liao at the moment is is one of the best Milan players for me. Yeah, it was interesting as well in this game that they they rested Ibra. Mm, yeah, clearly got one eye against. Um, I think Pioli's got one eye uh, on the Champions League, which is interesting because they've got well they've, they've got a chance, haven't they? Just because Atletico. The Atletico were quite poor against them last time out, so I guess there's a chance there. Interesting. I mean, while we're on the players as well, I mean, we should mention um, uh, Alessi Salamakas because he's got an Elton goal, and he's another. Sally. Yeah, he's another player. Good old Sally. He scored. Yeah, he's that's right. Salamakas scored. Milan fans rejoice. He's come out of. He's starting to come out a bit though. I think he was at Genk before, I believe, in Belgium. Um, I'm a little Belgian Belgian league fan. Yeah, I quite enjoyed his goal against uh, Salernitana. He's not always... He could go missing in games for me, but hopefully that's the start of something. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see what Milan could do in the Champions League. I think I haven't checked their group. I think they need quite a little bit of luck to get through. I think they, have they got Liverpool on the... Yeah. Yes, but Klopp has openly said already, I'm going to I'm gonna rotate. Um, so so I think Pioli was, would be maybe licking his lips at that. Having said that... The Champions League, if they do get through, might be a distraction for them for Scudetto. And then what that leads into is, and he's, this is probably Milan's fans' favourite word or least favourite word, injuries. Mm. They still have so many injuries. It feels like every single week somebody else gets injured. It's just an, it's just an absolute joke at this point. Um, Giroud is out again. Theo Hernandez is out. Rebic. Rebic is out. It, it feels like uh, Leao's now out as well uh, after... Really? After the game against Salernitana, yeah, Leao's out now as well. But the biggest one for me is going to be Simon Kaya, who's who's out for the rest of the season now. So it's going to be so now they're stuck with Tamori and Ramon Yoli at the back. 
Yeah, Roman Yoli's an interesting one. I was looking at him. I can't actually remember what it was for. His hands in so many little football pockets. But it, it, yeah, he he was doing quite well man, a couple of seasons ago. It just seemed like he stagnated and his confidence not. I actually think there's a good player in there. It's because the thing with him is that physically he's like not very impressive. I mean, I, I guess like not very quick and he's strong enough for a centre-back but he's not commanding enough he's not like a Rudiger where he could just bully people off the ball or like a Sven Botman at Lille no so he kind of relies more on his reading of the game and when you're I think he's only 27 now that's not your reading of the game isn't going to be as developed like enough to make sure you're foolproof every match so maybe he just needs a bit of confidence I mean he did get a clean sheet uh, for Milan I think against Salernitana yeah true but in, in brackets Against Salernitana. <laughs> yes, true, but maybe so. Maybe something that will help him in a way is uh, maybe I'm thinking of this because I was ironically just writing about Leo and Jose Font. Um, maybe it will help him play him against. Oh God! Please, please tell me what whilst whilst you were writing about Jose Font, you sang the song. I did not. I did not sing the song. I'm afraid. Sorry. Come on! You didn't sing the Human League. Jose Fonty, baby. It's bad that I, I I don't know that song. I've only known him for Lil. Um, wow. <laughs> you left me in the lurch. There. I thought you were going to sing along. Anyway, anyway, go ahead. I cut you off. The point I was going to make is that Font this last season and this season, I think he's been shone up very well because he's had a mobile younger player who's trying to learn off him. Is Van Botman. So maybe Romagnoli next to Mori can have that sort of effect. I mean, it's not much to prove off of it, but perhaps that's something that can happen. It'll be something to keep an eye on, especially like you said with Kier out for the whole season. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a massive blow, this for Milan. Especially going off, I know they've just had two clean sheets against Genoa and Salitana, but they conceded seven in the in the games against Fiorentina and Sassolo. In games where you're already making mistakes, you don't need one of your best defenders out the Partnership between Kaya and Tamori has always been been solid and it's been a massive foundation for them. I just think injuries, just like last year, for example, are just blighting them all over the pitch. The medical team, uh, I know that in football, sometimes we can be a bit pedantic and, and we sometimes zone in on details that we probably don't know much about. But this is becoming a pattern now with Milan where it's just injuries, injuries all the time. There must be something that they're doing wrong or differently because Fioli's been the manager now for... What is it, three years? So they're not really adapting to anything new. So you, you've got to question the medical team in terms of what they're doing. Which is interesting because the Milan medical team, like a decade ago, is going to be the height of... Is it, not even just football, though. Exactly, yeah. I know there was like doctors and people that used to go study there. Oh, of course, well, of course. Yeah, so, I mean, you... Of course, yeah. I mean, You mentioned that. I was going to say... Prime players, Maldini extending his career for five, six years. Uh, so, just... So many players that played played on for probably six, seven years more than they they should have at their peak. By the way, yeah, I was going to say I've been. It's funny you mentioned I recently looked into Real Madrid um, because Chelsea fans complained so much about Eden Hazard. They said he's been stiffed by their medical department. The amount of injuries Real Madrid have, and it, you're like, you, you say like we look at it from the outside and we think maybe there's nothing going on, but perhaps there is because when I looked at Madrid, they were, I think they they had like. Like two and a half injuries per player uh, over the last like four seasons, wow. or something insane like that. So, you, it, it, even though these clubs are at the pinnacle of football, but like just because they're rich and just because they're famous, it doesn't mean that they're foolproof in every department. So maybe it is something to look into. I, I, mean, I think I think fans are just getting very frustrated in terms of not having a fully fit team, also have not having Kaya 
for the rest of the season, I think personally is going to bite their blight their Scudetto challenge massively. This is basically what happened last year. They were the Christmas champions, and then they slowly faded away because Inter Milan had a deeper squad. Essentially, they're league leaders right now, but the amount of injuries that they have are stacking up for them. Like we also mentioned as well, Rebic is out. Um, I'm not sure how how much longer they'll be league leaders. Personally, yeah, I've got. I, I'll keep it quiet, but I've got my own. Um, I've got someone I'm very confident is going to win a title. Oh, mm. well, are you gonna you're gonna tell us later, are you? I will. I think we're gonna talk about them. I think we are. This, I hope this is not going to be like the Joseph Font thing where you, where you didn't sing with me anyway. Oh no 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 no. We yeah, we're going to talk about them. Don't you worry. The game straight after Milan Salernitana for any Serie A heads who were watching was Inter versus Roma at Roma at Stadio di Olimpico. Inter mm. picking up the win 3-0. They went 3-0 ahead within the first 30 minutes. Hakan scoring straight from a corner. Incidentally, this the the second goal from uh, straight from a corner this weekend. The other one was Juan Cuadrado from for, for Juventus. Inter Milan basically steamrolled Roma within the space of about 30-40 minutes. Roma's tactics were just I, I know that we every every single club that Jose Mourinho goes to, there's a there's a part of us, all of us would like to see him triumph. That's where am I am I am I, am I yeah, yeah, you know, I'm with you, I'm with you. Like, come on, this is the guy who loved being the pantomime villain, marched into the most famous stadiums in the world and, like, stuck it to the big man, but also sort of stuck two fingers up with the camera. Do you know what I mean? Everybody loved a certain Jose Mourinho at some point, but the the downfall that he has had in, in the last few years since around about his last title win, which is 2016 with, with Chelsea, or sorry, 2015 with Chelsea. I'd say, I'd say since Real Madrid. <laughs> yeah, I mean... So but, I think Real Madrid's really what set him down. Yep, good point. But as in, he was still an English champion at Chelsea when uh, it was the Diego Costa and Fabregas year. Yeah, yeah. So since then, I, I know... There was a relative degree of success at Man United, but he's just. Be- I think he used to be the charming man, and now he's just the grumpy man who who brings who brings clouds of gloom everywhere with him. Do, do you know what he's like? He's like I don't know how much of a, a fan of movies you are, but like when you get an anti-hero. What? Sorry, movies. Movies. Yeah. It's like shit. Okay, I thought you said something else then, but okay. No, no, no. So you, you, know, you get your you get your anti-heroes <laughs> right. You get like at the moment you've got like I don't know you've got like. Venom, Deadpool. You've got these guys who you, you watch them suffer, you watch them do stupid things, and it's okay because you know they're going to redeem themselves. And Jose Mourinho is like, we've been waiting for him to redeem himself, and he just keeps going lower. Yeah. It's like, there's no, it feels like there isn't a redemption coming for him. No. I mean, in no, fairness to Roma, they have created the fourth most XG in Serie A. I think Tammy Abraham, he's the most underperforming striker in all of Europe. I know he's hit the woodwork a few times. So, Maybe it's a bunch of yeah, time. Maybe it's a degree of bad luck to them. I've I've got um I've got a friend, a couple of friends who watch uh Serie A and Roma in particular because they're interested in Mourinho and they do they they they've said that he's creating something a bit more special here. So I'm holding out a bit of hope, but it almost feels like Mourinho's trying to destroy it himself. Like his comments about his bench, about Zaniolo. I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> it feels like he could create something here because the Italian media is going to give him a bit more of a breath, but he's going to destroy it before he can. I, I thought it was a perfect job for him coming in. There's no, there's not too many expectations. It's a little bit of a sleeping giant for me. Uh, I, I think Roma should be should be higher than than where they are. They were the biggest spenders in the summer. Um, I, I think also let's let's give him let's cut him a little bit of slack. It is a bit early, but some of the things that I'm hearing in the press conferences, uh, it just it just feels like his his previous implosions. Obviously, 
if it was like that third season Mourinho. Yes, third season Mourinho, but in the first season. Yes. Um, maybe we're just used to it now. They're actually, it, it's two losses in a row now for them. Uh, Bologna and then obviously Inter. But I think the, the manner of this loss is is what got at me. I know there's no Pellegrinis, there's no El Sharawi, there's no Felix Afanacan, there's obviously no Spinazzola, who, by the way, whenever he comes back, I am looking forward to seeing him play. He's devastating in the Euros. Uh, he was brilliant. Um, but, but it was so limp. It was so meek. Uh, James Horncastle tweeted that Venezia gave Inter a better game and he was right. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I mean, what I will say, I'm a, I feel like I'm a bit more lenient on Jose's Roma, particularly this game, because I've got opinions about Inter Milan. Oh, but course. also, I've got opinion. I've got opinions about Roma, and I really, I can't look at them without just seeing Monchi's dirty hands over them. Like, it goes under the radar. Monchi's dirty hands. But it goes under the radar. But Alex, Alex, Monchi's dirty hands. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> oh, do you disagree with this? No, no, no. I don't disagree with this. No. I, oh, yeah. I, for people that, that don't know or are not well researched on this, Monchi, who is at Sevilla, who's done, by the way, a fantastic job at Sevilla, did a horrific job at Roma. To, to put it into context, here are some of the Roma players that Monchi had in his era. Uh, Alison Becker, Mo Salah. Help me out here, Alex. I think they had uh, Manalas as well. Manalas, yeah. A peak Nanjalan, a brilliant Nanjalan. <laughs> Yes, yes. Pick Jekko as well. Daniele De Rossi at the time. Yes, too. And then lots of players. Really quality. And I assume you, you had the players you were ready to, uh, they signed. That just, well, not even that. It's, it's the fact that Monchi signed about a thousand players in two, three seasons there. Yeah. And it still took like six years to get rid of Jekko. And I know he was doing well, but like I look at Roma now. And I just see a failed Cengiz Undu who's had to leave. I see a failed Justin Cliver who's had to leave. I see, I see Chris Smalling who's not worked out. I've seen, just like, I thought Chris Smalling did to a degree work out in his first first year, but I think injuries have have knocked him. Yeah, I just see such a like a failure that I think is set Roma back. So I'm not too. I, I feel like we're. I feel like I'm giving them expectation. I feel like maybe we all are. It's but. And maybe it's well, maybe it's not it's not due, and there's also a lot of problems. Maybe, like I said, they, they did have probably that be- one of the best players in Serie A this year out, which was Pellegrini, who's done a bit of a Lampard uh, under Mourinho. The the thing for me is also as well, uh, they're nine points off where they were last year. With sixteen gone last year, they were only four points off the top under Fonseca, and they were playing better football as well. Yeah. Towards the start of the season, Roma were playing really good football. Really good football. I don't know if you caught the Sassuolo game, but that was brilliant to watch. Like genuinely brilliant to watch. They've got some good attacking players that when they hit it off, they they gel really well, and it's and it's good to watch. But I just think Mourinho's tactics, almost in a, a little bit like Max Allegri's, are sort of five years in the past. Yeah, I think uh, maybe it's not so much tactics. It's more like so. I was I remember reading a lot into Mourinho, especially at Tottenham, and. The complaints weren't necessarily about his tactics, but it was more his training. They said like he's tra- like he wasn't doing trainings yes. like setups. His, his training setups felt like they were ten years too old. Like he, he was rejecting modern sports science and things like that. When his like sports scientists came up to him and said, "Maybe you should give this guy a rest," he said, "I know better. I'm going to do it." So <laughs> I think it's just like <laughs> I'd, I'd love to see I'd love to see Mourinho just I don't know buying a suit or whatever, and, and someone just. <laughs> Someone says to him, oh, I don't think those pants suit you. I know better than you. I will take those beige pants. 
shut up and give me three. Well, that's the thing with Mourinho. I was going to say it's just like I feel like the reason we're expecting things from Roma this season is because of his arrival. So now maybe yeah. It's difficult. And, and the budget and the expenditure. But the, like like you said before as well, I think we should also put it into context, give them a bit of slack. They, they, they are missing a few players, I think. Yeah. And also they played into Milan, who like, I, I think are nailed on for the title this season. I think yeah. they are yep. so good. I mean, the top of the, t- the top of the table in XG, and they're unlucky not to be top table in women, they will be soon. It's... I, I, it's hard to. Get, I usually give a lot of numbers to what I say, but they're probably the team I most enjoy watching in Europe at the moment. It's just their rotations. Like, they, I think it was their second goal, maybe against Roma, where the ball was just held so perfectly. Before I think it was Chalnoglu made a run around the outside mm-hmm. and like passed across. Yeah, I think, it, and then passed across to Jeko. Second goal. But yeah, first one was um, the direct corner from Hakan and John Hoglu. Yes, yes. Third one was the uh, Dumfries header. And yeah, you're right. Yeah, the second one was uh, Eden Zekko. I think, yeah, Inter are slowly, slowly under Simone Inzaghi, um, who, by the way, I don't know if anybody has ever listened to an Inzaghi press conference, but he has the greatest deep voice ever. <laughs> but it's just, yeah. Uh, they're emerging as title favourites. It feels like Milan are having injuries. Napoli, are, which we will come on to later, are having injuries. And you just realise that despite what happened in the summer with Lukaku gone, Hakimi gone, Conte gone, Beppe Marotta has turned things around beautifully for them. And they have such a deep bench. Like, they, they just have such an interchangeable bench. I know De Vrij wasn't playing against Roma, but it barely mattered. Yeah. Also, I want to talk about Alessandro Bastoni for a bit. I don't know if you've seen him play much this year. Have you? Not too much this year, but I've had, I haven't focused him so much. Whenever I watch into, I'm kind of mesmerized by like Barella. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Oh my god, yeah. We'll, we'll come on to him, but a shout out to Alessandro Bastoni if you're listening. I'm not sure if he is, but he at the moment for me, he's one of my favorite centre backs to watch. He is so good at overlapping. It's it's the the overloads he creates on the channel are brilliant. The assist that he gave to. Uh, Dumfries for the cross. You saw um, Skriniar's reaction after. He was like, oh, I can't believe that. He had an illness all week as well, but he keeps continuing to do these runs. It's, it's. If you watch Inter again, keep an eye on him. He he creates an overload on the channel with uh, with whoever's playing on the wing, and it, it's really effective to watch. It's just satisfying watching an overlapping centre-back go forward, and then obviously, because they play five at the back, they can go to a, a four to combat it, or Obviously, Marcelo Brozovic drops into defence, who also, by the way, I think is Serie best midfielder right now. Yeah. Or or maybe Barella. So I think maybe they have the two best midfielders in, in the league. Maybe who else comes close? You think of some candidates? Midfield, is it? I'm, I'm trying to think of someone in particular. Maybe before he got injured, Zambo and Gisa was doing great. So was Fabian. Oh, yeah. Fabian Ruiz. Yeah. They were both playing. Mesmeric. Actually, I'm Rabio. <laughs> No. <laughs> who, who did you say? I said Adrian, Adrian Rabiot. <laughs> yeah, Adrian Rabiot. He's a great midfielder having so much fun. No. <laughs> um, I think maybe, well, he's not really in form now. I was going to say Kessie. But yeah, no, Borella and Brozovic for me. Yeah. I mean, you were leaning into something that like, I want. You worded it better than I kind of wanted to in terms of that. That's the thing about Inter Milan. But like, Inzaghi's worked. That was the danger, right? Conte leaves, all the players leave, Inter Milan fall apart. But it feels like Inzaghi is almost 
It feels like he's built on what they've had, and that's what's satisfying to watch about Inter Milan. Is every player knows exactly what they're doing at exact at every exact moment, both defending and attacking and in transition. So it's it's almost like you're watching a play of every goal. It's beautiful to watch. They're so good at just like moving the ball at pace and tearing teams apart. Like I said, creating overloads on both flanks. That's why. Yes, yes. I think, we love overloads. Yes, and without Conte, they have a chance at the Champions League. <laughs> it's ironic we're saying that. Yes, I know. I know, yeah. He's the first manager to get them through to the last 16 for a while now. Um, they could top the group. I think it's a decide against Madrid. So let's let's see what happens there. Um, but but the, uh, also, Milan fans might be upset at, the, at what I'm about to say, but there's a certain Turkish man playing very well at the moment, filling the void of left by Christian Eriksen last year, Hakan Canchanoglu. I mean, did you see before we came on what Zlatan Ibrahimovic has said about Canchanoglu? What was the disc on later on me? Something about a lion and steak, or I don't know. A bit worse. He said uh, after what happened with Ericsson at the Euros, Chan Oglu saw an opportunity and took advantage. That's deep. That's deep. I mean, was he? But was he actually dissing him like that? Or I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Jeez, man, Ibra comes out with some stuff. That's deep. That's that's deep. After what happened. I, I, yeah, no, he said, like, he took advantage. Like, I don't think he used those words. I mean, personally, I don't think he did. I think, I mean, I'm not too ingrained in this season's culture, but I am aware of the Inter and Milan derby, but I don't think he took advantage of it. But he's doing well at the moment. Yes, yes, he's doing he's doing extremely well. Scored twice in two games. I also think Inter just have so many gears, though, as well. They played Venezia. Yeah. Didn't exactly play particularly well, but they've got, they've got certain quality... And certain players that have obviously they're they're newly crowned Scudetto winners, but they just they have guile as well as a range of different players who can pull them out at, at different moments. They can bring on a Correa, or they can they can you know what I mean? They can interchange with Zeko. They didn't even bring on Martinez to this game. He didn't even play. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, they can interchange. They can bring Dumfries on if if he wants to go more of an attacking fullback. They can put on Di Marco if he wants to go more defensive. Um, they've, they've got options in midfield as well. If you want calmness and assurity in the last 20 minutes, no worries, I'll throw on Arturo Vidal. There's just a lot of, I think they're the most well-equipped uh, team in Italy right now. Maybe it's because Milan and Napoli are, are sort of mm. going uh, down because they have a lot of injuries and they're just becoming saliently more clear. Uh, but, but Inter for me, like you said, are the uh, current favourites. Yeah, I'm agreed. Sticking with the, the Saturday kickoffs, it was rounded off by a cracker at Napoli Atalanta. Napoli two, Atalanta three. Napoli again. We mentioned injuries as a frequent topic. Napoli were well, without Fabian Ruiz, without Lorenzo Insigne, Koulibaly, Victor Osiman, who for me has been MVP of the year so far. Mm. Uh, it was a great win for Atalanta, but it was a great. Great game to watch, back and forth, back and forth game. It summarises how good the league is when you have two teams who are at the top but just play enthrallingly good attacking football. Even with Napoli, the amount of injuries they had, they were going hell for leather, and I think a lot of fans would be proud to see them go the full 90 with the fight that they had and with with all the absentees that they have as well. Fabian Rui as well was a big miss. I thought they missed a lot of control in the middle of the park with with him out. Well, Atalanta's opened the score in Duvan Zapata, Duvan, Duvan. He might be in the form of his life at the moment. Have you have you seen him play recently? 
I have. He's. I think he's. He's a train. He's an absolute bull. <laughs> he's not. There was one. There was one. Um. There was one point in the second half. I'm not joking. Go back and watch it for anybody who hasn't. There was one point in the second half. He had it in the corner flag by himself, and four Napoli defenders were trying to go up to him and shield him, and he literally just throws them away like they're nothing. And manages to get a cross in, and I think he deflected and went for a corner. And they put the camera on him, and he just had this mean look on his face. And I was just like, mate, I'm so glad I'm not an athlete defender. What I noticed in this game, I think, is that... So, I didn't get to watch Atalanta too much last season. Um, but from what I did watch of them, it's like a, about a handful of, ni- like, four or five nineties. They like to play lots of short passes forward, lots of vertical passes forward, kind of what you imagine for this progressive Atalanta side. Well, I noticed in this game they're firing a lot more long balls into the patterns. So maybe they're trying yes. to... Yes, you stole my point, man. I was about to say that. But anyway, go on. <laughs> there we go. I feel... good, good point. Great minds think, think I like. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I feel like maybe Gasparini's trying to exploit that physicality of him because there's one moment in the second half that like, I saw the ball just kind of went into him and in fairness, Napoli centre-backs for this game, we should make clear, were Rachmani and Juan Jesus. Yes, um, yes, they were without Kuba Bali. Yeah, and uh, Giovanni Di Lorenzo was like sort of just making a makeshift back three. It, it, it showed, though, it showed. It wasn't peak Napoli, but still, like, Zapata was just throwing his... Like I kind of mentioned, like, throwing his defenders away like nothing. You've got to think, there isn't many... I don't think there's many defenders in Syria who are that much worse or better than Rachmani or Jesus. So I think that's like a purposeful tactic from Atalanta to really exploit Zapata's strength and drag him up the pitch more, which is, I think, a smart tactic, yeah. It was working. It was working. It was, it was a, a real nuisance. They kept going long to him, whether it was Talai going long to him, whether it was Palomino going long to him. And it, and it was working because obviously then he was holding the ball up so well. But he's also, he's so pacey for someone so big. Yeah. Um, and then that means Malinowski can go off the left. Pessina can go off the right. Frola can join in. Darun join in. Um, having said that, they, they had sort of the opening 20 minutes and then Napoli came came back into it. I thought they should have equalised when Chucky Lozano sort of missed yes. the, um, the the chance sliding in at the back post. He didn't score. Zielinski, who's in brilliant form right now, did equalise. And then you're thinking, OK, Napoli did come, come back into it because their press was working for about five or ten minutes. And then, obviously, in the second half, this was some horrible defending by Demiral, by the way. I don't know where he thought he was, but the ball it was it was a simple it was a simple sort of byline touching back to back to Dries Mertens. Mertens sort of checked his run. He was on the center circle. Demiral must have thought that he he was maybe I don't know not on the center circle or like earlier in the pitch or something. And because obviously you can't do you you can't get in a foot race with Mertens like that. And he easily converted the chance to a Napoli. What Atalanta did after that, I found so interesting and just fun to watch where it was just gasp football of, right, everybody go forward, everybody confuse them, drag them this way, drag them that way. Mm. Ilicic, Hatabor, Toloi and Palomino were causing real overloads, whether it be on the left or right. Yeah, yeah, I get you. I thought it was salient that it was Palomino giving the ball for Demiral to score. Yeah, it was right to the roof of the net, wasn't it? I don't know if you saw it, but it was it was Demiral who scored the the equaliser for two two, and he was on the great finish, by the way, especially for a centre back. 
It was, it was fantastic. But in terms of centre-backs, they might have some of the best ball players with Palomino and Talai. And then again, for the third goal, it was just joyous gasp football to watch. I'm, I'm mentioning overlapping centre-backs again. As you can tell, I, I love them so much. But Talai was on the right, made a run down the uh, down with Froehler and Ilicic, caused an overload, and then it went back inside, back to back to Froehler. And at this point, Napoli were just sort of caving in because they couldn't handle what Atalanta were doing, which is what they do. They just overwhelm you with with uh, with players. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is like I was looking at because and Napoli have held the most possession in Serie A this season, fifty eight point nine percent possession, fifty eight point four. Sorry, and that then that's what kind of turned the game for Atalanta. Oh, just like Napoli's, I think Napoli more than anything have seeks control. When they've when they've played, so Atalanta kind of upsetting that control, especially yeah, without yeah. Their, f- their first team personnel. There, it's kind of what swung the game for them. And it's kind of leads into what we were saying about Serie A at the start of this podcast. That that's what's making them interesting this season. There's, I think, there's a lot of clear tactical identity. I don't, I mean, I'm not sure we'll spend too much time on them, but two of the most fun teams I've enjoyed watching this season have been Torino and Fiorentina. I remember the the Torino game against Juventus. Yeah. Italian, Italianos, yeah, yeah. I remember the especially the Tor- Torino game beat Juventus, where they got absolutely dominated yeah, yeah. Juventus for about forty-five minutes, and like kind of leading to this game, it's like Na- Napoli trying to seek control, and Atalanta just trying to upset it. And then the previous game we got, I mean, Roma, Roma's Mourinho, or Mourinho's Roma rather, gets a bit more of a counter-attack inside, whereas Inter Milan are just like I said, like a play. There's there's a lot to appreciate about Syria at the moment. These sort of tactical identities clashing with each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Word on Atalanta, they've, they've just coming off the back of three good wins. Um, like I said, it was it was very interesting to watch them against Napoli when they were playing well. I think, for me, they're one of the funnest teams to watch. Gasparini once said about them, I don't think these players need coaching anymore. They just know what to do. <laughs> which, is, which is great. That's a great quote. <laughs> Because when they and and by the way, just a, a quick shout out. It's so nice to see Hans Hartepo back in the team, and hopefully we can get Robin Gosens back for, for Atalanta, and, and they'll be at full pelt. Um, but when they when they're on form, like like they were against Napoli, when it was just so hard to to control them more or keep them at arm's length. Not not least when Napoli had a bunch of injuries, but you have Taloy and Palomino even causing overloads and going forward, and Ilicic was dragging players out as well. Milan's up, Acosta were bursting down the wings. On, on top of that, they're just so fun to watch. And I think as well, we talk about a deep bench for Inter Milan. Atalanta actually have a deep bench as well. Luis Muriel come on, can come on. Jim City came on as well. Roberto Piccoli, who I'm a fan of, uh, young At- Atalanta Academy product, can come on. I- Ilicic, who is probably not at the level he was a few a few years ago as well, came on and he can... You got Pasalic as well, right? Yeah, Pasalic came on. He can, yep, Pasalic, Coop Miners, who didn't even play in this game. So I, I think that in terms of a neutral story or a neutral's favourite, it would be Atalanta. I would love to see Atalanta do well. A neutral wants an Atalanta to win Serie A. I've never heard that before. <laughs> but, really? That's a fresh take, I thought. <laughs> but... um. 
Oh, I mean, I can't like well, you, <laughs> with that quote of Gasparini. Now I've just got you know when you um you tell a story to a friend before other friends arrive, and then you feel bad because every time another friend arrives, you have to repeat that story to the friend. That's what I imagine with Gasparini. Like he just he sits back and he goes, "Yeah, finally I'm done." And then you got Melo and Zapacosta who arrive. He goes, "Gets out of his gets out of his deck, for God's sake! This is how we play." Yada 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 yada, and then just sits back down and waits for the new signing to arrive. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they seem they seem to have uh, they seem to have caught in pretty well. Um, I think wingbacks are very quintessential to to the way Gasp and Atalanta play. Um, but Napoli did have a lot of injuries. Let's see which one has the most legs to challenge. I know that we have Inter down as sort of the favourites to retain, but who do we, who who are we thinking then? in terms of who could challenge them the most. I, I'm going to stick my neck on the line and go for... Nah. I'm, my my heart says Atalanta. My mind says uh, Spalletti. Nap- well, no, Milan. I'll, look, my heart says Atalanta, but my, my mind says Milan. Yeah, I was going to say... Uh, oh, brilliant. Uh, <laughs> it's the first time I've been on a podcast with you, and I'm extremely boring with my predictions. So I'm going to say... Oh, in- well, well, isn't that just great? I'm going to say Inter Milan win the league uh, like on current record and Napoli finish second because despite the injuries I think with yeah. Spalletti Spalletti and Roma um, they finished runners up twice I believe and they pushed Juve pretty close I think in 16-17 maybe 15-16 so I think Spalletti brings that experience and Napoli have already this is something I spoke about before a lot of, a lot of people seem to think like when a team sacks their coach it's like, right, tear it up and restart. And the clever thing that both Inter Milan and Napoli have done is build yeah. on previous foundation work laid. So Napoli, you can see Sari in them still. You can still see the Sari ball in there. And what Spalletti's put on it, really, is just another measure of control and a bit more freedom, I think. A bit more guile, I kind think, of um, even rather these... than the Reno days. Yeah. Where, by the way, I, I loved... I yeah. love Reno. I, I loved seeing Reno on the touchline, mainly because all he did, it felt for most of the game, was shout for Chucky Lozano. So it, the, the cameras would pan to him and he would just sort of hear him go, Chucky! Chucky! And he'd be like, Reno, there are other players on the pitch. But um, it, it, it did feel like I was going to say, my favourite uh, my favorite Gattuso story is from Andrea Pirlo's autobiography, where um, Not really. Uh, they, 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 shout, they were knocking I think it was when they were away of the Italian national team and uh, Pirlo's like, come out, come out, Catuso, come out, come out, we'll come out, Reno. <laughs> and uh, he's like bothering him all night. And then it gets like near midnight, Catuso comes comes out and goes, what? And he just gets sprayed down with a fire extinguisher from Pirlo. Good God, can you imagine an angry Catuso in, in that hotel room chasing you? Well, that's why they loved him. That's, apparently he was just a bullied guy because everyone just wanted to get him angry. So every single national team here was just wind Reno up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, oh, to, oh to be in, in, in that WhatsApp group, can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> I just I think I'd just FaceTime them all or, or, or give Reno a quick message before bed just, just, to, just something to piss him off. I feel like Reno, Reno's the Arsenal of that WhatsApp chat. Reno's the what, sorry? The Arsenal. Oh, yeah, yeah. As in the, everyone takes the yes. mess out of them. <laughs> no, sorry, Arsenal fans, if, if, you're, if you're listening. But 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 sorry, getting off track and sticking to the point of Reno and Napoli. Um, I thought last year they made a lot of chances. They just weren't create. They just weren't converting many. But this year, Spalletti sort of added a certain nuanced control to them. 
Yeah, I feel like he's he's added. I think he's taking more advantage of sort of plans as well. I mean, it didn't quite come off today, but we weren't weren't too worried when Ossiemen was ruled out because okay, you've got Dries Mertens to come on, who's still like an electric forward, and I feel like the this amount of injuries will pass. Like I'm I'm looking. I mean, Ossiemen's gonna be out okay till mid December to January, um, and then it'll be, it would be basically if he goes to Afcon, that'd be crazy. Insigne should come back. Manalash should come back in a couple of weeks too. Yeah, exactly. Zambo and Githu as well. So you've still got these players to come back. So it's kind of think. I don't think they'll catch Inter, but I reckon if Spalletti stays another season, then they've really got something special here. Yeah. Just a couple more tactical uh, insights into the game that I thought were interesting. Um, he... Spalletti, when, when there was sort of 20, 30 minutes left, and maybe he has an eye on, on the game against Leicester in the Europa, he took both Chucky Lozano and Mertens off Go on. and put on, uh, put on Patania. And, um, and that that left that meant there was no more, for me, there was no pace up front and there was no attacking impetus when they were chasing the game. It, it was, it was uh, I mean, he's got a lot of injuries and I can sort of understand, but to put, but to, Take both of them off. I don't. I, I don't. I don't know about that one. Yeah, I feel like I mean, I'm, I'm double checking stats now just to make sure I'm not too mean. And yeah, no, it's not very good. It, it, to me, he just can't, he feels like the William of this team. Like you know, the player who's just kind of like he's just there. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, chase when, when you're chasing a game as well to take both of them off. But also as well when because Fabian Rui wasn't playing, they lost a lot of control in midfield. I thought Lobotka was getting pressed all over the shop, uh, which. Is kind of what can happen when Atalanta are on their game. So, yes, yes, I think it's um, maybe I'm a little biased because I'm a big fan of Zambo and Gisa. Uh, I think he's terrific. So when he when he gets back into this midfield, he starts powering them forward. So to conclude, you're going uh, for Napoli, the closest uh, chases for with for the Inter. Yeah, I think Napoli will run them close. To be in fairness, depends how much emphasis Inter Milan put on the Champions League because obviously they're through. They might, they might fancy it, but they... also wasn't playing. Yeah, yeah. But then again, Monaco won league one under the 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 pressure of PSG and got to the Champions League semi final. So anything truly is possible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Depends how much of a favorable favorable draw they get. I think as well. Was that the Monaco year with with Mbappe, Bernardo Silva, Fabinho? It was indeed. It was indeed. Ah. Uh... <laughs> Ghosts of forgotten teammates past. Uh... <laughs> indeed. <laughs> so that was the top three. Sorry, my bad. Top four uh, that all played on Saturday. And then you think, okay, Sunday there's uh, there's a bunch of other games. But, of course, <laughs> this being Serie A, it just exploded. 21 goals on Sunday. Venezia 3, Verona 4. Venezia were 3-0 up at halftime. Ah, oh, this game. <laughs> we... Really? Alex still complaining about it, really? All right, go on. Give everyone your story. Yeah, well, I was playing. I was playing to the listeners. Yeah, so um, in England, uh, women's FA Cup final was on, and I thought, you know what? Hey, you know, we. I'm a. I'm an open man. I'm gonna watch women's football. And it was half. It's been half time. Venezia uh, v Verona. I was like, Venezia, three <laughs> nil up. They're gonna crush this. Tune over to the women's FA Cup final. It might be more entertaining. Uh, you know, it's three 0 It's pretty dead. Chelsea winning quite easily. Get to the. Uh, it's like ninety minute. I go. Wonder what happened in Venezia beat Verona. Wonder if it was like four or five nil. Four three. 
to Verona. Yeah. What's happened? Throw in, throw in. <laughs> Mr. Cracker of a Throw in the devil for our friend Cholito, Diego Simeone's son. You know, I'm waiting for when he, he does his dad's celebration and just grabs his bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you know that celebration everyone got. Everyone... Everyone who's seen it on Twitter, everyone has has watched videos of it. I want to see that from you, Chilito, if you're listening. I mean, but... I have quite, um, I've got, I've, I've got uh, Vietnam flashbacks of Giovanni Simeone because uh, you're from the UK, right? I am, yes. <laughs> so, do you remember Football Index? Yes. Is that so? For anyone who doesn't know, <laughs> Football Index was the 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 stock market for footballers, where you could buy shares in a player. And if they, oh yes, wasn't it? Wait, wasn't there a big scandal with that? Well, yeah. If the player did very well, then their their share would go up. And I had a lot of shares in Giovanni Simeone because I thought this guy he's going to explode. And if the app hadn't crashed and exploded because the company lied about how much money they had, I'd be balling right now, Darnish. I'm I'd sorry. Have thousands of pounds, but unfortunately. <laughs> those shares are now worth nothing. It seems as though Venezia Verona is really making you upset. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't um, in, in many <laughs> in many different ways. Um, the football index crashed, did it? Yeah, well, um, like completely. So, like, you can't trade on it. Oh, uh, no, yeah, the the company ran out of money, so there's no money on the app anymore. I was going to say it did seem too good to be true, really. Yeah, but in fairness, Simeone cheered me up because he's fourth goal. I'm sure you saw was beautiful. He's scoring some bangers this year. I, I think he's found the right club finally. But Verona are a success story and a half this season. When uh, Subio De Francesco was was fired, they were languishing near the bottom, and now they're now they're in mid table. Also, some of the football they play is is brilliant. I love the life out of Gianluca Caprari. Simeone Caprari. I know he wasn't playing, but Simeone Caprari and Barak, and then of course veteran. Miguel Veloso in the middle. Igor Tudor, who was assistant to Pirlo last year, has got them playing really good football. In in turn, in tandem with that, Venezia play really good football as well. Yeah. And they've, uh, they've got someone who's recognised for you there. Um, Paul Woody scored and scored an own goal. Thomas Henry, uh, the French player, he was at, uh, at OH Leuven last season in the JPL, who I watched quite a bit of. And he's, I'm quite, I was quite impressed when Ezio picked him out because he's quite a talented forward. He's quite well rounded. Um, I think it's like his fourth or fifth goal this season, I believe. I'll double check that like, in the background. But yeah, I, I think Okareke might be the top scorer. But um, I think Venezia is surprising everybody. They're five, five points above Cagliari at the moment. Cagliari, who yeah, and- are in 18th with 10, Genoa just below them with 10. Cagliari, who's basically their attack is punt the ball up front and in Jao Pedro and Inshallah, and then Genoa's attack, who is basically yes. Mattia Destro and Inshallah. But um, yeah, Venezia playing some really good football as well. But the league, league just in general is bonkers. That was one of the score lines. Then, of course, you got a Spezia Sassuolo, which was 2 2. Sassuolo, who love to be take points off big teams, but struggle against the mid tablers. Thiago Motta Spezia, by the way. And then in Bologna, it was 3 2 to Fiorentina. There's, just so, there's always just so many goals in each game right now. Why do you think there is? Uh, I think it's a combination of some great, some, uh, like, above-average season in Syria, some great football going on. It was also about the defence. I don't think... I, I, have, I have little ways of... Um, I was doing quite a lot of work into, like, looking between the lines of uh, uh, top five leagues, which is published on Breaking the Lines, actually. <laughs> 
there's ways for anyone who's listening. Breakingthelines.com. Yes, for way there's ways. Yeah, for anyone listening, you can kind of diversify the leagues. Um, this is kind of my opinion on it, but it's also based on some evidence we found, which is read the article. But um, league gun is it's got so the second worst goalkeeping really. But I think it's, what lets it down is maybe the coaching because it's even though the coach has got very good coaches there, you've got. Some Pauli, uh, Rudy Garcia, uh, Rudy Garcia's just left, but um, it is, it is. The, like Julian's left one. It's a bit weaker than the other leagues. You've got the Premier League, which is most error-prone league in across the top five leagues based on the last four seasons. You've got Germany, who's got the worst goalkeeping by post-shot expected goals. Uh, you've got La Liga, which is the oldest league now and the, the slowest league. Um, and then Serie A's got a bit younger, but for the defending just a little bit weaker. Antonio Conte said that as well, didn't he, last season? He said, I think Lukaku's flourishing because in the Premier League there's a bit more tactical instruction for his defenders, where in Serie A there's a bit less, so he can get given a little, tiny bit more space to flourish. So maybe that's why we're just seeing a bucket load more goals happen in Serie A this season. But it's just, it's, there's a bucket load of goals, but it's, um, everyone's just drinking crazy juice all the time. The referees will will slap in yellow cards and red cards and penalties when they when they see fit, handing them out like hotcakes. <laughs> but also, there's there's so many. Yeah, there's two red cards on Sunday, weren't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's so many teams though that actually play good football. Like each team, I, I think they've been heavily influenced by sort of the the tiki taka generation of before, um, which we we saw a lot of in in Euro 2020, which was more. Not tiki taka, but a boom bap of of a uh, boom bap <laughs> of the Italian. Yeah, you know what I mean. A boom bap. That that's a type of football, right? But um, yeah, in in the Euros, obviously Italy were one of the best teams to watch when they had it going, possibly because of their midfield, Verratti, Jorginho, Barella. But I think it was pretty symbiotic of of that team in terms of where the league is right now. Fiorentina, for example, play play really well. Sassuolo, who have maintained playing at a very attractive level, even with De Zerbi gone. Verona, you got two goals come in with a with a certain way to play. Lazio, who are conceding goals for fun. They've conceded 30 goals this year. They, they, they have a lot of attacking players that play well, but I knew the, the case with, with them and Sari was always going to be that they concede too many goals. But I think it's just a general rejig of, of the entire league where... In a case where Venezia and Spezia, who who came in as from from Serie B, prioritised passing the ball out from the back as well, for example. Yeah, I, I mean, ironically, that the one team that maybe doesn't adhere to all of this is like Juventus, because <laughs> it's so boring to watch. Hey, don't you diss that Max Allegri's terrorist ball? I, I'm I'm actually quite a big fan of Max Allegri. Like, I think he's a I think he's a very oh yeah I think he's a very underrated manager. I feel sorry for him this season because I I, th- I like the oh, fact that you- he's just the biggest Bond villain ever. He left he left like Google for anybody who's listening. Google Max Allegri and type in brides. He's left like three brides at the altar. <laughs> he's he he loves like betting on horses. He's just a madman. Um, but he, but yeah, you, you, they are unfortunately one of the most boring teams to watch. Yeah, it's just because I, oh, it, it feels the way to describe you. I mean, obviously they they beat Genoa two 0 in the weekend with Dybala scoring again. General, General, Paul, man, General, Paul, Shevchenko's got a big job there. Yeah, I, I mean, Shevchenko's another manager I think will do well. But the thing is, Juve is just like I don't know if you agree. Juve feel like that 
if if they go one nil behind, that's them done because they can't break down a deep defensive block. If they go one nil up, they've won because they'll just sit back and defend like it's the 90th minute of the World Cup final. They're very painful to watch, and I'm not sure how much of that is down to Allegri or the players he has. Because oh no, oh no, this is Allegri ball. This is Catanaccio at, at at its finest. I, f- I feel like the difference there, though, is even then it was okay. We've got thirty minutes left. Now it feels like okay, we've got eighty-five minutes left, but we can still we can grind this one out. <laughs> That's what it feels like watching you at the moment. He was, he was, he, he no, no, he was, he was like this. But I mean, you, but the the towards the end of his tenure, when the, when that really good UA team, it was just a prioritization of it's one nil, it's two nil. There's thirty minutes left on the clock. Okay, this this other team isn't gonna score at all because I have Cellini. Basagli, Manucci. Then I also have a midfield of Kadira and Matuidi. Whereas now, it, I, I don't think they've had a good midfield for years. No, because he used never like this. Like, you've got to think of his Milan side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But there's... Um, I've not seen much of Raspadori, tell me. Juve side, there's a plethora of attacking talent to, to watch in Syria. I want to have a quick word on some of the young star- strikers right now. Sassuolo in particular who I think have one of the best young strikers in the world, Gianluca Scamacca, but also they have Raspadori. I don't know if you've, if you've seen them two M- players. Musa Farrow, I think it was at the weekend, he scored Raspadori a is, very good I, goal. I, I would like to see him and Scamacca in, for, for, for the Italy team for the next like five or six years, but having them two together is going to be really, really interesting. Um, there was a period of time this year where I don't know why Roberto Dionzi didn't play Skamaka, maybe five or six games in, and then he played, and then he obviously scored two. But um, they're going to be really good together. And then you can add in Vlavic, and you can also add in uh, Cholito, Musa Baroya, with, with Aaron, with Scottish, uh, Scottish Aaron Hickey on that side with him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. There is a lot of young, younger strikers. No, young strikers. Yeah. We love to watch it anyway. Yeah, it's just a, I think a lot of attacking talent. That's the thing. Maybe there's maybe that's what's causing the embarrassment. There's a lot of attacking talent in Serie A, and maybe not quite as much defensive talent off the top of my head, at least. That's all we have time for this week on Area de Rigori for BreakingLines.com. Please, if you can, subscribe to us or make favorite this uh, this podcast on Spotify on .fm, and you can look at more articles on BreakingLines.com. Um, there's a brilliant story on there about Botafogo. Alex, pleasure to have you, man. It's been a pleasure to become a mob, man. It's been it's been a very, very nice chat. Thanks for having me on. No worries whatsoever. Please check out all the other articles and podcasts that we have for BreakingTheLines.com and I'll see you next week. Thanks. Bye-bye.